Are you going through a faith crisis or a faith transition? Maybe you're in the middle of a family crisis transition, like through betrayal or divorce. You're in the middle of some infidelity. Or maybe you know someone who's going through one of these things. Our society is littered with relationship casualties from how we handle these really intense and important crises in life. I would like to propose some strategies on how to minimize the casualties from these crises and maybe even strengthen those relationships and salvage them. Today we're going to be talking about how to manage those relationship issues when betrayal strikes at the core of our relationship connectivity. The quality of our lives depends on the quality of our relationships. But what is it that determines the strength or quality of our relationships? For over 20 years, I've been working in the trenches of relationship recovery and greatness. I empower people to take charge of their relationships and single-handedly bring about desired outcomes. This show cuts through the fluffy stuff and gets to the nitty-gritty of what makes a relationship work. I'm going to teach you practical tools and principles to transform the important relationships in your life and bring about greater satisfaction and fulfillment. Get ready to transform your life through the power of relationship skills. It's time for The Emil Show. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, The Emil Show, where we talk about all things relational. Today, I wanted to talk about when someone betrays the family, the faith, the fold. They go rogue. They change, and they leave. What do we do? How do we handle those situations? I think sometimes there's such a great sense of pain and panic that we don't know what to do. We don't know if we're supposed to have a funeral, if we're supposed to have some kind of a ceremony that says that this is the end of the relationship now. What are we supposed to do? It's an awkward, funky place to be in for both the person who has left the way, whatever you want to call it, like whether it's faith or the family. There's this, there's this period of time where it's just really awkward and painful. And no one knows what to say. No one knows what to do in that situation. This is a big transition in a person's life. And it changes everything. Everything's up in the air. Everything that we thought was a certain way is no longer certain. And that creates a lot of confusion and frustration. And I'm going to explain something to you. As a therapist that sit with people who have felt betrayed, and then I get to talk to the other person who has, what we would say, betrayed, they too have felt betrayed. And so there's a cycle of betrayal that's happening, and one person thinks that they're the ones that's betrayed, and so they're going to try to fix the other person. Well, it's actually both parties are feeling betrayed but for different reasons. Well, the pain of going through this process, this transition, is very, very difficult for people, whether it's getting out of a relationship, a marriage that they thought was empty, hopeless, fruitless, and so they have betrayed the relationship, or they have left the church, the faith. They have felt betrayed. They have felt like that the way things should have been aren't the way they are. And they're reeling themselves. So they're going through this very difficult transition. And they're afraid. And they're nervous. And they're not quite sure what's going to happen down the road. And there's horror stories all over the place about what happens 
when someone betrays the faith or betrays the family. And the problem is, what really happens is, since no one knows on how to handle those things, they have panic. For example, if someone leaves the church, these are the kinds of things that we talk about of why people would leave the church. Pride. You know, they just got too much pride. They're not going to be humble enough to do what's right. Or sin. They're drinking. Or they're, they're, they're being immoral. They're cheating on their spouse. If they're betraying the church, well, they probably betrayed the, their spouse. Or there's a lack of discipline. They're just lazy. They don't want to do what they need to do to, to do the right things, to say their prayers, read their scriptures, go to church. They've been taking too many Sundays off having fun. Maybe it's just a lack of faith. They just don't have the faith required, and they need more faith. Or maybe they have felt betrayed by the church, or felt that they've been betrayed by the people who represent the church, or represent the values and principles of the church. How can they have faith if the church or the leaders of the church, or the people of the church have betrayed them. And they're supposed to be the symbol of the faith, the proof of the truth. And so, as people from the outside are looking into the person who's leaving the church, they've got all sorts of reasons why they think they'd be leaving the church. Well, they panic. The people that are, they feel betrayed, like mom and dad or brother or sister, they panic. And they're in pain, they're uncomfortable, and they do all the wrong things, things that make it worse, you know? So the problem is that they don't know how to engage in a conversation in that state of of fear and panic. No one really makes good decisions in the state of fear and panic. You don't have to be a scientist to figure that part out. And so what ends up happening is when, when people stray from the church, for whatever reason, the people that supposedly care, what do they do? In their panic, they start to point out the things that they think that they're doing wrong and, why, and what they need to do right to make things right. And they'll even say things like, well, you need to, to do this. You need to pray more. You need to go, you, you need to, you know, take more time on Sunday, or you need to live the Sabbath day, or you need to, so they fill in the blank with what you need to do, or they'll even add something like, well, you're not going to be happy. You know, if you don't do this, you're not going to be happy. Your life's going to get worse. Those messages, I'm just trying to say something here is, even if you were right, even if that person was right in why they left the church because of fill in the blank, do we honestly think that telling them how they've messed up, do we honestly think that that's going to work? That they're going to respond warmly and say, thank you. Oh, there's so much more clarity. You've pointed out exactly how I've screwed up and what I need to do to make my life so much better, even though I feel betrayed or whatever, whatever the reason is. Well, if we are, and I would say the same thing with somebody who is, is leaving the, the family, right? We tell them right away, look, it's not, the grass isn't greener on the other side. Life's going to get a lot worse for you. You need to just do whatever it takes to fix your relationship. I've been doing this for over 20 years. And I have seen, I don't know, hundreds. That's probably a low number. But a ridiculous amount 
of times when people have tried those approaches and I haven't seen it work once. No one has effectively called someone out, told them what they were doing was wrong, and told them what they should do, and had that actually work. So there's a problem here. When we have care for somebody and we're confused, we don't understand, and we have confusion, we panic. And when we panic, we don't make the best decisions. So we need to have a solution. What do we want to have happen? Do we want to have a funeral for the relationship? Do we want to give up on any potential positive outcome from this, these circumstances that are difficult for everybody? We need to realize that the person who's doing the betraying is also feeling betrayed. They don't feel like the path that they were on was working for them. They're struggling, and they're trying to wrap their minds and hearts around what this means. Nobody sets out to cheat on their partner, and no one sets out to leave the faith. These are not conscious, deliberate decisions, well thought out and well planned and executed, to lead them to a situation now where their life gets turned upside down. Nobody, nobody wants that. So we need to have a strategy to deal with those situations when they come. So we need a solution. When we want a solution, yeah, we want a solution so that we know what to do in these situations. Because otherwise, we'll end up doing the things that we've done in the past and end up having a worse relationship and less of an influence, which is neither one of those things is what we really, really want. Let's, make, let's have a basic foundation, a principle that I hope every single one of us can agree with, the idea of free agency, that concept of free will, the right we have for self-determination. It's a right that every single one of us has, and I need to really emphasize that. Is it okay, is it truly okay to believe that people have the right to self-determination? And if that's something that we can truly believe in and say, you know what, that's true. I mean, God does. God gives us the right to choose, and he doesn't even annoy us with things that we should or shouldn't be doing by calling us up every once in a while, or sending us emails or texts, right? No. So if God lets us do this, why wouldn't, why shouldn't we? Why shouldn't we also embrace that principle of the right of self-determination? So that's got to be the basic belief, because if we don't believe in that, then what we're saying is, is I need to take charge of your life because you aren't doing a good job doing it. And so I'm going to tell you what you should or shouldn't be doing so that you can be happy. And, and I think we need to understand something that, that, that the idea of taking charge, it, it's not going to work. And I wanna, I'll, tell, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. So if that's the basic foundation, what's the first thing we should do? The first thing that we should do is take time to listen, validate, and understand them. We really want to hear what they have to say. But our fear sometimes prevents us from really listening whether they're leaving the faith or their family, we're afraid that if we take the time to listen, then somehow it makes it right or okay. Listening does not condone or support the decision. It may support the person. And some people go, whoa, I don't know how to, why, slow that. Can you rewind email for a second? What do you mean when you say support the person and not the decision? How can you do that? 
Well, the same way God does. He supports us as people, even if we make the wrong decisions, doesn't he? Just because he supports us as people doesn't mean he says what we're doing is right. So we should be able to do the same thing. It's not that complicated. Love the person, even if we totally disagree with what they're doing. We take the time to understand and empathize with them. That's step one. Step one is take time to listen, empathize, and understand. Be with them. What is going on in their world that is motivating them? What pain are they trying to avoid by the choices that they're making? Because I promise you that they are trying to avoid some sense of pain. Or there's some emptiness that they're trying to fill. They're trying to get something that they're feeling dissatisfied with in what they're currently experiencing, whether in their relationship or in their religion. The wise person, I think it was Theodore Roosevelt, he says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. When we try to control other people's behavior or focus on changing their behavior, that selfishness is disguised as caring for other people. That's a really hard thing for me to explain. Yeah, we say we're caring about other people when in reality we're just focusing on our own discomfort. There we go. So what we need to do is we need to really, truly understand them, validate them, make them feel like we get them, because that's going to create the connection to increase our influence, which ties into what Theodore Roosevelt said is people don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. The next thing we're going to do, if you really, really care about that person, instead of trying to focus on change their behavior, you want to share, okay? So we just took some time to understand, validate, empathize. Oh my gosh, that's your story? Oh, I can see why you would leave your wife or leave your family. I'm not saying that I agree. I'm not even saying that it's a good idea. It could be a good idea, but I'm not even saying it is. But I'm understanding you. And that's difficult for people sometimes to say, well, how can you truly understand someone without agreeing with them? Come on, people. We really need to open our heads and our hearts a little bit more. If the only th- only way we can understand people is if we agree with them, we're all doomed. And, and that is not even true. We can understand without agreeing. So take the time to understand 100% and reserve the right to disagree. So after we've taken the time to truly understand, then what we're going to do is we're going to invite them. We're going to invite them to see if they're willing to for us to share. This kind of sounds something like this. We don't launch into sharing. We have to first invite. We might ask them a question like, hey, um, are you open to a different point of view? Um, could I challenge you on this? Do you want to know how I deal with it? Is it okay if um, I poke holes in that argument for a second? Now, you're asking for this permission, right? inviting them to open their minds. They may or may not open their minds. And this is not a time for you to jump down their throat. We wait for their response. If they say something like, sure, I love that because you took the time to understand them and now they, they would really like to understand you a little bit more because that creates a sense of connection and bonding. Once that happens, you start to share what you think, and what you feel without doing the should. If we start shooting on people, it's going to shut them down. Because shooting has this 
this tendency to create a power differential and sends a message of condescension. It's like, I'm a little bit better than you. I know more than you. I'm more experienced than you. So you should, okay? Instead of doing the shooting, we just talk about our own personal experiences. Hey, I've had a similar experience like this. And what I did was this and this and this. I don't know if that helps you, but that's how I cope. If we should them, we would lose them. Yeah, we do not want to create that dissonance after we spend all this time creating a connection. Now, what if the person says, no, I'm not, right now I'm not really interested in a different point of view or perspective. You know, I've already done a lot of work to get where I am right now, and I'm not open right now. I just need to kind of work on my own stuff. Okay, notice how close-minded and fear-based that idea is. It's proof of a lack of confidence in their personal perspective. Don't jump on it. That would be very foolish, right? What we do when someone says, no, I'm not interested in a different perspective right now, totally fine. We validate the frustration, the disappointment, the the difficulty of their situation. And we say, look, you know, we know you're in a tough place. If you ever are interested, I'd love to share. And then what we do, and we think that we just we just were ineffective in that moment. We lost our influence, my friends. We have only begun. Because just like the marinade takes time to season and soften the meat, so too is not sharing our opinions or our perspectives or our stories. By not doing it when they're not ready, they begin to wonder and think, hmm, how confident am I really in this? Do I need to dig deeper into being more convicted into my beliefs without having an open mind? Ooh, that doesn't sound very confident. And that person was so respectful and kind and considerate. Well, maybe I need to reevaluate my position. Maybe I need to open my mind and see where they're coming from because, I mean, I want to be with people who make it safe for me to talk. That's what's comforting. It makes it safe enough for me to change my mind without feeling like an idiot. So finally, okay, we've talked about these steps. First step is lean in, understand, empathize, validate, okay? Listen to them and make sure they feel heard and understood. The next thing that we do is we invite, okay, that's step number two. We invite by asking if they would like to know. And then if they say yes, then we do the third thing, which is share. If they say no, they're not interested, instead of sharing, We just let the marinade happen. Finally, we stay true to our beliefs to be kind, respectful, loving, and supportive. If we're kind, loving, and supportive, then we have a higher level of influence in that person's life when they're ready for it. I think think it's important to know that just because we love that person, it doesn't mean we agree with their decisions. And I think that's where a lot of people get confused. It's it's almost like if I don't agree with you, I have to divorce you. I have to separate myself from you. If I do that, then I lose any sense of value in the relationship and I also lose any sense of influence in the relationship. So just remember, it's okay to not agree while we are connecting and understanding. 
Remember, everyone's going through difficult times. Don't you think we could all benefit from a little bit of grace, a little bit of kindness as we struggle through the frustrations and the white water of life? And uh, I guess to, to kind of wrap things up, when people make decisions that, that kind of turn our worlds upside down, we have a choice to either embrace the situation and find a way to get through it with peace and love, or the other option is to use it to justify our anger and misery. That's, that's totally up to you. Applying the principles of assuming good intent, like really digging in, seeing life through the other person's eyes and heart and mind, like really getting in there and, and painting them in the most positive light does not mean that what they're doing is the best thing. But it can change the way we tell ourselves, like it changes the story we tell ourselves about what they're doing and who, they're, who they are. We start to see them as good people in difficult situations instead of difficult people in situations. Plus, you know what? No one really knows what the future is going to look like. And we may be sabotaging the potential value and benefit of that relationship. And what kind of people do we want to be with? Don't we want to be with people that make it safe for us to to explore and to learn? If we don't make it safe for people to, to struggle, then what we're really doing is we're proving them right. That the type of people that we are aren't the kind of people that they should want to be with. Imagine the kind of relationship that you can have when you are spending more of your time and effort in trying to connect and love that person through their difficulties. And now compare that to if you didn't. I hope you'll take these thoughts and these ideas with you and share these because these these ideas should not be secrets. Our world would be a better place if we use some of these strategies rather than finding things that we don't agree on and use those to divide us from each other. Thanks for listening to The Emo Show, where we talk about all things relational. If you want to learn more ways to increase your influence and garner more respect, pretty much have confidence in any situation of conflict, then get my new book, Confidence in Conflict. In that book, you'll learn why people get defensive in the first place and how to hijack the other person's defensiveness so they really can hear what you have to say when you have something to say. You'll learn how to disagree without being disagreeable. You'll learn how to deal with criticisms, blame, allegations, passive-aggressive statements, and a whole bunch more. You can get my book today by going to emilspeaks.com. That's E-M-I-L-S-P-E-A-K-S.com and get my book so you can get confidence in conflict.